0: This morning's scripture is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verse 1 through 4 and 11. And Luke, chapter 4, 16 to 21. I'm going to read the Isaiah. This spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the ear of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy. Instead of mourning and garments of praise instead of a spirit of despair they will be called ox of righteousness, a planting of the Lords for the display of his splendor that will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated that will renew the ruins, cities, that have been that devastate, devastated for generations. For as the soil makes the sprout come up, and the garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise springing up before all nations."
1: The lesson from the New Testament is from Luke's Gospel and it may sound familiar. Then Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and he went to the synagogue as his custom was on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read and there was given to him the book of the prophet Isaiah. Jesus opened the book and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. God has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And Jesus closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. May God bless our hearing and understanding of this word to us today, and may these holy words continue to shape and to form us as God's holy people. Now, we heard the news while we were in our hotel room, just as we were heading to the airport to return from our Thanksgiving trip to the Midwest. Fidel Castro was dead. Throughout the day, as we traveled, we caught glimpses of news broadcasts of this historic event. I think we were in a layover in Las Vegas, of all places, when I saw one report that featured interviews with Cuban exiles in Miami. There in Miami, amid great celebration, one reporter was pressing one young woman, someone who was for sure too young to have been among that original group of exiles from Cuba, saying, so, do you think he'll go back now? Will your family go home? Well, I don't know, she said. My, my life is here now, and who knows what is left of what my parents left behind. There on that big flat screen TV in Vegas, an ancient truth was once again being revealed. The dream of return from exile is glorious and inspiring. The reality is difficult and painful. Most biblical scholars agree that the words from today's reading from the prophet Isaiah come out of just such an experience. The earlier chapters of Isaiah come as the threat of conquest and exile is hanging over the people of Judah. And then what the prophet warned of in those early chapters comes to pass... Babylon conquered Judah, destroyed its cities and the temple of Jerusalem, and sent most of its citizens into exile. For 70 years and more, these exiles lived in Babylon. They built new lives, but they also dreamed of the day that they could go back home. When the first generation of exiles began to pass away, they made sure to pass along to their children and their grandchildren the stories of the glories of Jerusalem. And then, one day, it happened. The Babylonians themselves were conquered by the Persians, and the Persian king, Cyrus, declared that the exiles could go back. They could go back to Judah. Now, at first, this seemed like a dream come true. In fact, there's a psalm that says those very words. But then, harsher reality set in. Judah, Jerusalem was in ruins, and the exiles had almost no resources to rebuild. Harder still, the descendants of those who had been left behind in Judah when their fellow citizens were marched into exile were not really thrilled to see those exiles' descendants returning with their snooty Babylonian manners and superior education and attitudes before long the dream of a glorious return from exile had dissolved into disappointment and dissension and despair and it was in to that situation that the prophet brought a word from the lord the spirit of the lord is upon me because the lord has anointed me to bring good news to the oppressed to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The deep wisdom of this prophetic word was that exile could not simply be reversed. It had to be healed. The scars of exile were not, are not, just geographic. The wounds of conquest and exile were poverty, oppression, broken hearts, and captivity not just of body but also of mind and of spirit. Exile could not simply be ended by returning to a particular geographic location and trying to put everything back the way it had been before. The return from exile, the journey... Home was longer than just the physical distance from Babylon to Jerusalem. The prophet knew that exile would only truly begin to fall away with the building of a society of compassion and justice. And no emperor could simply issue a decree to make that happen. That return, that healing could only be the work of the people inspired by God to acts of compassion and justice. The emperor could only open up the possibility of return, but it was only the people walking with God who could bring one another home. Well, you might say, that's an interesting history lesson. What difference does that make here and now? Well, centuries After the exiles returned from Babylon, Jesus also returned home. He showed up one Sabbath at the synagogue in Nazareth. The leaders called him up front to read from the scroll of Isaiah. Jesus stood among them and read these words. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus rolled the scroll back up, handed it back to the attendants and said, Today, here and now, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, of course, part of what that means, part of that was a declaration about who Jesus is. The fulfillment of the prophetic promises of the ages. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. The other part is that just because, exactly because that is true, Isaiah's words on Jesus' lips are a declaration about who we are. Because God has come to us in Christ and shares our humanity, we too can fulfill these prophetic promises we too can say the spirit of the Lord is upon us because the Lord has anointed us. God has sent us to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this is good news because the experience of exile is fundamental to the human condition You can live in the same town where your parents and grandparents, maybe even great-grandparents, were born and still experience a kind of exile. Beloved Claremont Presbyterian church member Bill Hopper, who died just about this time of year, about five or six years ago, once told me that old age felt to him like a kind of exile. He felt cast out of the healthy body and mind that he had inhabited all his life and into a foreign land of frailty and forgetfulness. Another friend of mine once described divorce as a form of exile, a sudden separation from the family she had built and from the network of relationships surrounding that family. Some have written about grief as a form of exile, a sudden abrupt wrenching out of one's old familiar life and into a strange and unknown wilderness. And the list goes on. There's the exile of unemployment, the exile of addiction, the exile of dramatic economic or political changes that may make us feel displaced and vulnerable. And of course, there's the classic Christian concept of the exile of our sin, which separates us from our true home in God and from our true selves as human beings created in God's image. And none of these forms of exile that we experience can simply be reversed by royal decree. But through the power of God's love at work in the world and in us and through us, these exiles can be healed. And the healing begins with God and continues when we live into the promises that Isaiah proclaimed and which Jesus declared have come true today in our hearing. The true return from exile begins when we, through our own lives, our own actions, begin to bring good news to the poor to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners of mind, body, or spirit, and to proclaim that the time of God is dawning. And when we do this, light begins to appear. This time, it is not the light of a great star in the heavens, but a light of a lamp in the window. A light that reveals that surely and steadily God is gathering us in. That we are living in the light of God's promises. That we are walking in the light and bringing one another home. Amen.